Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Happy February, everybody. Happy National Woman in Sports Day. Happy Black History Month. A lot going on here in the shortest month of the year. Screaming from the sidelines is back for another episode, as always, every week. And today is going to be somewhat for the nerds and the degenerates. We're going to talk a little bit more about just NBA-centric stats. The trade deadline is approaching a lot about bets. And the WNBA is making some big splashes this week and another piece of big news today. Before I get into all of that, just want to say, as always, if you get the chance, please rate, like, subscribe, and share. Pass this along. Love doing the show, and every bit of support means something over here at Believe. Without further ado, let's break it down. Let's start with the WNBA, because they are on fire, and it is National Woman in Sports Day, after all. So over the weekend, Candace Parker announced that she planned on signing with the Las Vegas Aces. Today, she made that official. That is huge. The defending champs, and it's a five-hooper lineup of Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, and now Candace Parker, which is going to be insane. Last year, Chelsea Gray won WNBA Finals MVP and was their third best player in the regular season. Asia Wilson won her second MVP, so the Aces, which were already a team that people believed had a strong chance to repeat, just got a little bit stronger. On the other side of the country, though, Brianna Stewart, WNBA champion herself, has agreed to a deal with the New York Liberty, who just got Jonquil Jones in a trade as well. So first of all, congratulations to Kevin Durant and his recruiting methods. Desperately trying to bring Stewie back to New York, saying it would be insane. Secondly, I don't want to overreact and immediately say that this will be the WNBA Finals, but it would be an incredible matchup, especially when you account for that Aces versus Storm series last year. We could have another Brianna Stewart versus Asia Wilson part two with some new surrounding pieces on each side, and of course, Brianna Stewart in a different uniform there in New York. But all of a sudden, the Liberty just went from a nice up-and-coming team to a very scary team that has a real shot at winning a championship and trying to take the crown away from the Aces, who, of course, added another card to their deck. So, yes, again, don't want to overreact and say this is for sure going to be the WNBA Finals, but in fairness... There's only 12 teams in the league when you compare it to 30 in the NBA. So it's certainly possible, and I'm really pumped for that season to get going around April or so. Let's move to trade rumors in the NBA. I'm not going to make this segment super long because this is not really for the speculation. We're going to learn a lot more on February 9th. In fact, next week's episode may get postponed, or depending on how things shake out, I may double up. And just do one after the trade deadline. But the Raptors, we talked about them last week with my five questions in the Atlantic division. 
they are waiting until the last minute to choose their direction. And as I said on last week's show, there were a few directions they could go with. One rumored option is trading away OG Ananobi to the Knicks. He's currently out with a sprained wrist injury. Shouldn't be anything long-term. Gary Trent Jr. could also go along with him because he seems like a very tradable piece given that he may not re-sign after the season and he's on the last year of his contract. So the Raptors, a team, we don't exactly know what they're going to do, but they're sure going to make it interesting, deciding if they want to try to turn things around or just tear it down or rebuild around Barnes and Siakam or maybe just rebuild around Barnes as a whole and go really ambitious trading away Siakam. Let's talk about Matisse Thybul. He is not getting in the Sixers rotation as heavily, but also not making a ton of money either. So it's not imperative that the Sixers ship him off, but there are reports that the Sacramento Kings are interested in somebody like that. And the move makes a lot of sense for Sacramento. They are surprising a lot of teams this year, and they're currently the third seed in the West. Yes, you heard that correctly if you have just started paying attention to the NBA recently. But their defensive rating is bottom 10 in the league, probably not sustainable. Bible has a lot of length. He is a good perimeter defender. He's even had some frustrations that he's brought me when they faced off against the Warriors a couple of times. So very talented young player. Could be a nice fit in Sacramento. And it's certainly a move that I selfishly on the West Coast would like to see happen. Then there's the Jay Crowder issue. It's reported that the Milwaukee Bucks are the team most likely to end up in the Jay Crowder sweepstakes, but it's a move that makes sense. I mean, Jay Crowder is almost certainly going to go to a team with high playoff and championship aspirations. He bounced around from the Heat when they went to the finals, and he went to the finals with Phoenix. Then he had some tension this offseason when he was told that Cam Johnson was going to move into the starting role. He didn't like it as much, so he and the team kind of mutually agreed to stay apart. I imagine that by the time next week rolls around, Jay Crowder will have found a new home. And then lastly, there is the issue of John Collins, who has been in a lot of trade rumors. Will he get out of Atlanta? I am told that... The asking price is a little bit high for somebody like John Collins. I know the Utah Jazz were interested, which is funny when you consider where the Jazz were at to start the season in complete tank mode. But John Collins is somebody who may be staying put as of now, though you never know. There are always a couple of surprises come the trade deadline. So February 9th, we're eight days away, and there's a lot that could change around the league. I don't want to speculate too much, but there will be plenty more to discuss once pieces start moving around, and we're going to get into the All-Star break, and then we're going to come out of it, and it's going to be game time for a lot of these teams that expect it to coast into the playoffs. But that's not necessarily the case for certain teams, especially a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and now we're going to move into betting trends. So the Dallas Mavericks are not a betters team at all this season. They are 18-33-1 against the spread. That is the worst mark in the league. At home and away, it stinks. 
doesn't matter where they play. They're 10, 16, and 1 at home, which is the sixth worst record against the spread at home. And then on the road, they are 8 and 17, which is tied for the worst with Houston. So the Mavericks, despite having an MVP caliber player, often get overvalued in terms of betting. They are a little streaky. I think that is something that's not necessarily a surprise and probably been discussed on screaming from the sidelines in the past, but it's just worth noting again, as we have more games and statistics under our belt, they have a couple of really enticing matchups coming up, which I'll get to a little bit later in the show. Let's talk about the top teams against the spread. That is the Oklahoma City Thunder at 31-18-1, the Orlando Magic at 29-21-1, and then right behind them, the Jazz at 29-22-1. All three of these teams have something in common. They have young talent, they're scrappy, they're right outside that play-in bubble, and have a bright future, but kind of a so-so present. Shouldn't be slept on in terms of betting. They're not going to win a ton of games outright, but from the jump, they have really surprised people. I know Paolo Mancaro, I will talk about him in a second, is the should have run away with Rookie of the Year, barring some kind of injury or any other reason for missing time, but he has been the correct number one pick in the draft so far. The Jazz have surprised people from the get-go, and the Thunder had a pretty solid start to the season because of the emergence of Shea Gelgis-Alexander, somebody I deemed the biggest breakout player in the league this year, although you could certainly make a case for Lowry Markkinen on the Jazz, who I'm also talking about in the same segments so something in common there with those two teams since Christmas though the Thunder that's when they've really shown I think they were 10 and 1 against the spread in their first 11 games after Christmas so they have really just been turning a corner in a way that one can hope it's a bright future with a ton of draft picks and also not too bad of a present right now the best teams to bet the over on The San Antonio Spurs, Atlanta Hawks, and Golden State Warriors are the three that statistically top this category. I think that the Hawks is worth mentioning because they are wildly inconsistent in terms of performance and wins and even against the spread, but in scoring, they're a little bit more reliable, and it's a team that I generally try to stay away from as a better. I think my percentage on betting Hawks games is probably well below 50 at this point. The Spurs have hit the over 61% of the time, the Hawks 59% of the time, and the Warriors right behind them at 58% of the time. Teams that are scoring a lot, I know the Warriors, especially on the road, their defense is starting to get a little bit better, but not to the defending champions type of degree. So, For the most part, it's a good over team. Now, as I'm going through a lot of these trends, I think it's important to mention that Vegas does catch on to a lot of trends. Good example would be the Portland Trailblazers were extremely profitable against the spread and then combined with Vegas adjusting to it and Portland's own struggles with injury and lack of defense they're not as good against the spread anymore. They've certainly fallen off compared to where they were at early in December. Let's talk about some homer away teams. And what I mean by this is whether the over hits or the under hits 
is largely dependent on where they are playing this game. The Boston Celtics, they do have one of the top offenses in the league. They are 17-8 and eight with the over at home, so 68% of the time it's going over the total, and nearly the opposite is happening on the road, just 27%. So they are a team that still has a little bit of youth, which we need to remember, despite what they achieved last year and going all the way to the finals. Now they are uh, they're scoring a lot at home. I mean, that's just call it what it is. On the road, maybe not so much. Uh, part of it is maybe they're resting guys a little bit. Part of it is they've hit a little bump. Part of it is they have such a grip on the East, although I guess the Sixers are starting to close in on them. But if there was ever a time for a surefire playoff team to have a little bit of a lull in the middle of the season, it probably would be right before this All-Star break stretch. The Sacramento Kings are another great homer away team. 64% of the time at the Golden 1 Center. The over is hitting, and on the road, it is just 38% of the time. Six out of 20, uh, 22, six out of 22 times the over has hit. Vast difference there. We just mentioned the Portland Trailblazers at home. Not as big of a gap. It's about 60% of the time the over hits at home. And on the road, pretty big drop to just 32%. Uh, and then the Milwaukee Bucks is the last one in this particular category I wanted to mention. The over has hit. In fact, it's a complete inverse record. It's 17-8, and eight, so 68% of the time when they're playing in Milwaukee, and when they're away from the building, 8-17, and 17, so that's 32%. There are two teams that are in the complete opposite of this category where they're not really scoring at home, but on the road, the over hits a lot more. The first one is the Charlotte Hornets. The over has hit 8 out of 23 times, 35%. When they're playing at home, but on the road, it is 68% of the time. And then the other one would be the Los Angeles Clippers, who started the season in a very, very low-scoring way. Uh, just 20% of the time, the over is hit at Crypto.com Arena. And on the road, they are 64% of the time hitting the over. I think some of that has to do with the fact that they are surprising a little bit later and it's good to mention because they're uh, they're playing a lot of road games soon coming up. So, in terms of futures bets, we have title winners. So the four best, the four highest odds, I should say, or the four lowest, however you want to look at it, the four most likely, according to the odds board, for winning the NBA title is the Celtics, the Bucks, the Warriors, and the Clippers. So even though the Warriors and Clippers have had kind of iffy starts. And even the Bucks hit a rough patch there dealing with the return of Chris Middleton. It's not seeming to deter betters very much. Uh, I think this would be a great time for 76ers, Nuggets, and Grizzlies believers to go and grab some value here. Because you can just get a much better return on your investment. In terms of the MVP, Luka Doncic remains the front runner in the odds after starting as the favorite for the third consecutive season. Could this be the year he gets it done? He has not won an MVP in his very young career, although it feels like he's had a shot at it a couple times now. Rookie of the year frontrunner, as I mentioned, far and away, Paolo Banquero. As long as he's playing and on the floor, he should win this award. Benedict Matherin and Keegan Murray take the next two highest odd slots, and they have also impressed. 
I just don't think they will win the award unless Paolo misses a bunch of time. And even then, it could be a toss-up because remember LaMelo Ball beat out Anthony Edwards in their rookie season, but Ball missed some time at the end. He was running away with the award, missed some time, Anthony Edwards got hot, and Ball still won the award. So if we're going to go off that logic, I still like Paolo to win that. You're just not going to get a lot of money for what you put down at this point. As for Defensive Player of the Year, I simply don't understand how Jaron Jackson Jr. is so low in some sports books. So people like to point to the fact that he missed time at the beginning of the year and also his foul troubles. But the Grizzlies will win a lot of games by the end of the season. And I do want to reference some history here, which is that Rudy Gobert won this award in 2018 when he played just 56 games. So that's something to consider for you futures betters on Defensive Player of the Year. Now, to be fair, I was reading the weekly Power Rankings article on NBA.com. And when I got to the Grizzlies section, there is some element to their defense that is Steven Adams, who right now is sidelined with a knee injury. Now, when they have both of them on the floor, the Grizzlies' defense is phenomenal. When they have just one of them, it's decent. And without both of them, they are the opposite of phenomenal. They stink uh, relative to where they want to be for a team that has championship aspirations. So during this four-game absence of the last week that Steven Adams missed... The Grizzlies were outscored by 32 more points per 100 possessions in the 70 minutes that Jaron Jackson Jr. was off the floor. So he does make a big difference. I still think it is worth betting, assuming he's going to play most of the games the rest of the year. So if you're looking to take a little bit of a risk, I just think it is something to consider. Uh, Lastly, on the betting front, I just want to talk about DraftKings, which has announced it will bring back its early win promotion, this time targeting the NBA. So some exciting news for any of you DraftKings users or people who are hoping to get into it now. The promo is expected to run every day for the rest of the season, or at least until it gets pulled. So a $100 per game better would end up with a profit of $1,050 for a total of $3,000 risks. So basically, it's a return on investment of 35%. Uh, This is a type of promotion that was live for game one of last year's NBA Finals. And since you're probably just hearing me speak in a bunch of nerd terms, I will explain how it works for this year. So you can place one pregame money line bet per day. And if the team you choose leads by 10 points or more at any time in the game, your bet wins. It does not matter what happens for the rest of the game. If at any point they're up 10, you win your bet. If your team never goes up by 10 points, you can still win the bet. It's just that in that case, uh, the regular money line rules go to effect. So you better hope that your team can handle tight spots as well. You must attach the token to your wager in order to apply the promotion. And for the very fancy DraftKings talk, VIP bettors or those with the diamond status have maximum wagers of $500. Others have max bets of $200, $100, or $50, just depending on certain conditions. So DraftKings 
is a nice little tool for some of you out there. I know FanDuel is all over the NBA. I know Caesars has a bunch of JB Smooth commercials. Bet Online is our proud partner at Believe and something that I use multiple times a week now. But if you're looking to just explore a little bit, DraftKings is great. And also to just say kind of a neutral statement here as a way to maybe explore different sports books. If you go to the Action Network, that is the easiest and most convenient way to shop for different lines. So you can look quickly at a game and it will say what the odds or point spread is uh, across different sports books. So maybe if you see greater value on the MGM app as opposed to FanDuel or Caesars or Bet Online, maybe that's a way for you to go. It's a good way to track it. A lot of times uh, they're pretty identical or very close as expected in the world of betting. But the Action Network is a great place for you if you want to kind of be a little bit of a betting nerd. Or as I like to say, a small degenerate. But it's okay, I'm right there with you. Let's move to matchups for this week in the NBA. And this is pretty much where we're going to close things out. A relatively simple episode here today for you. Uh, Tonight we got the Nets and the Celtics. Celtics are nine-point favorites, even with Kyrie Irving in the lineup for Brooklyn, and they just love him so much in Boston. Uh, kidding, for those of you who just can't, uh, who don't know the reference and don't follow basketball as closely, he used to play for the Celtics and uh, was very childish over there. Um, this line itself looks a little fishy, given the way the Celtics have kind of hit a bump in the road as of late, and it's almost begging people to take the bait and pick the nets. I'm going to be paranoid and spot the trap and just take the Celtics to cover, even if it's a large spread against a competitive East team, because we do know they score a lot at home and they should have their real lineup out there tonight. So I would cautiously lean Boston, even with this large spread. Uh, Last piece of news here, the Nets are reportedly in no rush to sign Kyrie to a contract extension, despite his all-star starter status. And uh, let's just say, gee, I wonder why. For you Brooklyn Nets fans. Tomorrow, three games. No, make it four games that I think could be really fun. The first one is the Grizzlies at Cavaliers. Two teams that are much better at home. This one is in Cleveland. I would lean on taking the under here. I think the Grizzlies play tonight as well. Uh, So, yes, they do against Portland. So it'll be a back-to-back for the Grizzlies. Um, it's the teams with the two best defensive ratings coming into this week. And on top of that, the Cavaliers have the slowest pace, meaning a lot of times the final score will barely crack the 100 mark. They lost 100 to 97 against the Heat, uh, either last night or Monday night, whatever their most recent game was. The Warriors play at the Nuggets and the Nuggets are 23 and four at home. And overall, they're 24 and five when they take a lead heading into the second half. Interesting stat on these guys, by the way. They've seen the biggest half to half drop in point differential per 100 possessions. And this is the third straight season that they've led in this category. Now, they've been a playoff team for three straight years, and last year they were missing their second best player with an ACL injury. So I'm not saying that this is necessarily something that will come and bite them down the road. But it is fascinating that it's been three straight seasons where they plan well, they're well-coached, 
get out to good leads. But in the second half, it's a combination of teams adjusting or maybe them taking their foot off the gas or whatever else you may want to attribute that to. So interesting in terms of spreads. I think this kind of stat makes the Nuggets as large favorites a tougher out with your money. I just wanted to throw that one in there for the nerds. We also have the Pelicans at Mavericks. So one team is struggling in real life, the Pelicans, and the other is struggling at times, but definitely in betting. Uh, This one, I would just wait and see the injury reports and the type of game, but it's one that I'll have my eyes on tomorrow for sure. I hope we get all the stars out. Uh, I can't remember if the Pelicans are also playing today. I don't believe they are, but just check scheduling and injury reports on that one because I don't know what that line is at right now. Another fun one for tomorrow is the Clippers at the Bucks, And let's talk about the Clippers. Why don't we? Because they're really interesting right now. They're quietly climbing back up in the Western Conference standings. When Kawhi Leonard and Paul George aren't out there, they're not very good. When one of them is out there, they're okay. But the Clippers might be able to be one of the most profitable teams in the month of February. And here's why. Kawhi Leonard doesn't play back-to-backs, and as of late, neither does his co-star Paul George. But here's the thing. The Clippers don't have their next back-to-back until March 3rd, which means for the next 11 games this team has, they could have both guys on the floor together. I will caution people by saying that many of their upcoming games are against teams over 500. So this isn't just like some cheat code that they're going to win a bunch, but they could be a valuable pick in covering some spreads, especially when you account for the fact that they're scoring more on the road and they're getting a little bit healthier. If there is a time for this team to turn a corner, it would be now. Let's go to Suns at Celtics. This one's on Friday. In fact, it's really the only Friday game I feel like worth mentioning. I won my first Suns bet this year when they beat the Raptors on Monday. It was a mega achievement. I think I'm now probably 1-11 with these guys. Mikael Bridges had an awesome game. But as for this one going into Boston, if there's no Devin Booker, I see it being a tough out. I don't know what the spread will be for sure, and the Suns have been very inconsistent in the sense that they could rise to the occasion and make this a game, but if everyone's healthy in Boston, seems like the Celtics could have a real chance to run away with this one. Heat at Bucks, that is on Saturday. The Heat are wildly interesting. They have climbed their way up to the sixth seed in the East. In 16 of their last 19 games, however, they have had an effective field goal percentage below the league average. And a large part of their ability to win games, despite their awful shooting, is the fact that they're forcing turnovers. They, right now, their opponent turnover rate of 17 per 100 possessions would be the second highest of any team in the last seven years. And over their recent four-game homestand, The Heat committed 29 fewer turnovers than their opponents. They also trailed three of those games after the third quarter and won. So the Heat are a gritty fourth quarter team, 
not great at shooting in what seems to be an increasingly bigger uh, three-point dependent league. They're kind of what the Raptors were earlier in the season or what they were striving to be a little bit with a scrappy team that's well-coached. They play defense, they force turnovers, and at the end, they just find ways to win. Bam has been awesome. I really should watch more Miami Heat basketball, but I have a feeling that they're going to make for some fun playoff series, so I'm not too concerned about my lack of commitment to the Heat right now. That'll be a good one on Saturday in Milwaukee. Let's do another Saturday game. That's the Mavericks at the Warriors. Here's one little nugget on the Warriors. They're playing around with lineups, right? And when Draymond Green is the lone big on the floor, their offense is more productive, which is not really a surprise. Uh, More surprising, however, is the fact that since Steph Curry's return from injury, the Warriors have been better with him off the floor than they were prior, which shows that they're maybe turning a corner in what's been an underwhelming season for the defending champs right now. And I'm not saying that Steph Curry is incapable of carrying a team through the playoffs. I mean, we all watched it last year and what he did in the finals. But in a perfect world, you don't need your 34-year-old star having to go through the grueling injury of an NBA playoffs and carry you night in and night out in what are four physically and mentally exhausting series. So... The Warriors lost to Dallas in Dallas earlier this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way on Saturday with this game being in the Bay. Again, check injury reports, but hopefully the stars show out on Saturday, and that would be a great way to relax this weekend. Sunday, the 76ers are going to the Garden and playing the Knicks. So assuming both teams play their real guys, I would love the 76ers in this spot. Guess what? They had a stinker against the Magic, and then they lost the lead after winning like six or seven in a row. I mean, it happens, right? There are 82 games in the year, and the Sixers have something working right now. I fully trust them to perform in New York on Sunday against a team that has been ridiculously streaky. Last game for Sunday is the Kings at the Pelicans. I would just like to say for this one, I'm forecasting an under despite the Kings and their potent offense. As I mentioned earlier in the show, they're scoring less than Vegas anticipates them to on the road. And the Pelicans scored the third fewest points per game in January when their health struggles started to catch up to them a little bit. So overall, I commend the Pels for how they have handled injuries this year. But at some point, it's hard to be missing two of your three best players. And now Ingram is working his way back to health. Hopefully Zion returns in the next couple of weeks. But that's kind of where I'm at with the upcoming games this weekend. And of course, for the more up-to-date picks with more updated circumstances, you can follow the Twitter page at Greg O. Silver, where I'm also creating some weekly content on Believe's social media. So you can follow them as well at Believe, B-L-E-A-V Network. And then there's Believe Sports. So that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you to all, to you listeners, to our staff at Believe, and to anybody who's taken time out of their day to make the show possible. As always, a rating or review on your podcast listening platform of choice is greatly appreciated because every bit of support does mean something. You are a part of the show. I couldn't do this without you guys, and I am really 
thrilled to continue making content and episodes and meeting more people to talk hoops. That's what this is all about, and it's been quite the fun journey as we hit episode number 23 in honor of the GOAT, Michael Jordan, and I guess what LeBron James used to be before switching to six. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you very much. Keep screaming, keep betting, and keep following your beloved teams as a dedicated fan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.